We live inside a dream. What's up, nerds? Welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates with your two bookhouse boys who love toys, your two geeks who like Twin Peaks. My name is Jeremy Schmidt. And my name is Eric Keppel. (laughs) She's dead. Wrapped in plastic. Wrapped in plastic. This is, of course, a Stanley Kubrick slash David Lynch podcast where we cover... Both of their bodies of work simultaneously. We are, I I would say we're about at the halfway point. Wouldn't you, Eric? Ooh, I don't know. Let Maybe me take not. a quick glance at the, no, I think we're, I think we're, uh, at the third if point. If we're counting like, yeah, if we're counting Twin Peaks as like a body of work, I, th- I think we're getting there, but I don't think we're quite halfway yet. Yeah. Well, that's good for you, listener, because that means we you have a lot to look forward to and also quite a bit to catch up on. So if you haven't been keeping up with uh, ke- keeping up with the Johnsons, so to speak, yeah. uh, you can go back and listen to all of the early works of David Lynch and all the early works of Stanley Kubrick that led us to the great 1989 to 1991s series Twin Peaks, right? Is that how long it lasted? Was it 1989 to 91? Am I right about that? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I good. So. I kind of just threw uh, those numbers out of thin air. But... I think it first aired uh, in early, in 1990, actually. Okay, but, uh, so it's 90 to like 92 or something, maybe. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Someone's going to Someone... tweet at us and tell us we suck. Right. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Business we... as usual. Of course. We are covering today uh, Twin Peaks episode two, three, and four of the series. Yes. Which, if you are watching it chronologically, it might be appear on Netflix as three, four, and five, because uh, the pilot is zero, would be episode zero. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Eric, anything you wanted to catch up on? Any Patreon news? Anything before we jump right into this? Because I'll admit, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> we have a ton to talk about real quick because I do, Jeremy, I noticed a little bump. Not not, not huge, but I noticed, uh, I think we have some new people listening because of the Twin Peaks uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want to throw out there that we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, we do three to four bonus episodes a month for $5 a month. Uh, they're very fun. We're going to be doing one on the baby after we record this episode. Uh, the the fun the fun thing about our Patreon, and I was thinking about this, is we like our podcast has kind of like gone through different changes. We like oh yeah, sort of completely transform into like different things. We start, for example, we started as a Chucky podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and the fun thing about our Patreon is. No matter what we're covering on the regular podcast, we'll pretty much do whatever our patrons tell us to on the Patreon podcast. Yeah, which is exactly why we covered 1973's The Baby. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh oh God, I'm excited to talk. I'm about excited that. to talk to you about it. I I need I need to rest. I need to talk to you about it like I need to talk to a therapist about it. 
<laughs> it was okay, it was quite yeah. a roller coaster. Uh, I but think we had a similar experience. Um, today's episodes are season one, episode three, or episode two of Twin Peaks: Zen or the Skill to Catch a Killer. Aired April nineteenth, nineteen ninety. We have Rest in Pain, which is episode three. Aired April twenty sixth, nineteen ninety. And then we have the One Armed Man, which aired May third, nineteen ninety, which is episode four of the show. Eric, do you have any? Mm. I don't know, like. Anything about these episodes externally you want to talk about before we just dive right into plot? Any like kind of, I don't know. The, I, the is the is the writer interesting? Is uh, there anything? Uh, episode about two, the making? Uh, Zen or the uh, skill to catch a killer uh, is uh, pretty pretty famous in the in the Twin Peaks uh, fan world. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite episodes. It's kind of. Uh, this is, from what I've read, is sort of like the point that you're either in or you're out. Like, right. I, I, I read there was kind of like a drop in ratings after this one. Really? That's uh, so interesting because I feel like yeah. it, it picks up so much in these. For me, it does. Yeah. 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 But we're fucking weirdos. I know man. we're broken. We're sickos. We're psychos. We're here to we're here to mess around. We're here to we're here to dance wildly uh, down the steps of a New York alleyway. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're we're the um, Joker. <laughs> the only other like credits I want to point out is episode three is written by Harley Payton, and he writes some good episodes. Harley Payton is uh, he's one of the good ones, and then. Uh, Episode four is uh, written by Robert Engels, who co-wrote uh, Firewalk with me mm. with David Lynch, mm. uh, which is worth noting. But other than that, uh, no, nothing, nothing really to bring up. Okay, great. So where we left off in episode one of the show, the cliffhanger was basically we watched Dr. Jacoby um, like lay down on a couch and like, hold his locket close right yeah that was kind of like the last yeah. thing we saw from the episode which was basically drinking out of a coconut yeah drinking out of a coconut because he's a he's a freak of nature hawaii lover <laughs> yeah. um yeah. you know all those all those ho- all those like hawaii enthusiasts out there uh, uh you guys are a bunch of freaks if you ask me um so we open with this episode uh ben horn He's a uh, he's having dinner with his uh, his family around a big like yeah. table. This is our intro to Uncle Jerry. Our introduction to Uncle Jerry, the seminal character, the uh, the the linchpin of the Twin Peaks series. Uncle Jerry. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Eric, what do you think of Uncle Jerry? What is, what is your impression of Uncle Jerry? When I think of Twin Peaks, this is like one of the scenes that I think of. When I talked about like the like. My my favorite thing about the show being like the humor. This is uh, just a prime example of it because it's so weird and kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. You get this really long shot where there's like nothing. You're just watching a family quietly eat dinner, right? And this man shows up with these baguettes, <laughs> and these two men just like fucking like they're just like sniffing the baguettes and like howling and chowing down it's great it's 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 so funny uh yeah yeah i guess jerry horn is coming back from a trip from like france are we supposed to believe it's from yeah it's from paris or something and I think so, uh yeah. yeah he's brought he's brought baguettes home uh, uh, for which like none of the family care about other than ben horn who is 
just as obsessed with these baguettes. They both sniff them and then start eating them. And it's like crazy because while Ben Horn is eating dinner, he starts eating another sandwich, like with his plate right in front of him. It's like one of the weirdest, like optically, one of the weirdest things to look at is a fully grown adult man (laughs) start eating a sandwich while his like roast chicken or whatever is like just getting cold in front of him. Then he like gets up from the table and says like the most dickish thing to his family, which is like, uh, as always, it's been a pleasure. (laughs) Yeah. And then he excuses himself from the table so they can go run around the corner and eat more baguette. And uh, he tells uh, Uncle Jerry that Laura Palmer died. Of course, Uncle Jerry's first response is, you know, oh my gosh, does that that mean the deal fell through? But then he's sad, which I thought was interesting. So even Laura's death makes uh, old Uncle Jerry, wacky Uncle Jerry sad. So, um, yeah, yeah. he's, uh, he's a piece of shit, but (laughs) he's got an interesting, uh, throughout the whole arc of all of the seasons, he's got a, got an interesting storyline. Yeah. And we're starting to like understand a little bit more, especially like in some of the scenes immediately following this, we're starting to understand a little bit more about Laura's past and that Laura might not be the, like the, uh, clean cut, all American, innocent, schoolgirl that everyone wants her to be no she she might yeah. actually be a little bit more i don't know wild than that so i i, I, had, a, I had a note down here that i wasn't sure like do you think uncle jerry's sadness and her death has anything to do with like some some i don't know like that he's gonna miss her for some of these more naughty behavioral type things hmm that's a good question <laughs> like um, is he like all bummed I, out because like I used to have sex with that girl, for example. <laughs> that is something that comes up a lot in this, is you're like, you wonder like what some of these men's relationship were, was with Laura. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Let's just say Laura wasn't exactly Tom Petty's American girl, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, okay, so we end up, uh, we go to Donna's house. Uh, she's there with her parents, I believe, right? And James. And yeah. They're kind of, they're kind of just like talking about church. Uh, this is, this is the scene where he says, uh, we're going to go to church and they have sort of this, this big moment. Donna and James have a little moment together, which, uh, which is nice. We kind of carry through that story. Uh, immediately we pick back up with Ben Horn, who, yeah. uh, <laughs> they go to one-eyed jacks so this is our introdu- introduction to one-eyed jacks this is the uh the whorehouse that you get need a boat to get to i guess yes yeah we meet jack the, with one eye jack with one eye so and and i think we we know this place is called one-eyed jacks right before cooper gets the note because uh, cooper gets the note at right immediately in the scene following this so I, I uh, are, yes, yeah. Either we don't know the name of it yet, or we do know the name, and and we're ahead of Cooper for a little bit in this episode. But either way, uh, Horn takes the new perfume girl uh, into the back room. So we kind of get this idea that like, oh, there's a department store where there's there's perfume girls, yeah. and perfume girls end up at this whorehouse sometimes. Yeah, it's it's like it's really like the whole idea of it is is pretty gross, but this is like just so like visually amazing. Like Blackie is like 
one of my favorite characters just because yeah. she's like so fucking cool. Yeah, she's really cool. Uh, and the music is, of course, yeah. really cool that's underscoring all of this. And it's just sort of visually stunning. I, I totally get what you were saying now about David Lynch uh, being obsessed with the color red because all yeah. of One Eye Jacks is like red as fuck. It's red. Everything is red. What they're wearing is red. The carpet's red. The, the ceiling, you know, like the tile's red. Everything's red. Yeah. Um, and I like I like Jerry Horn's interaction with the bartender here, where he's like, uh, "Next step, rocket science." Yeah, <laughs> and he's such a fucking dick. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. So in the next scene, we get Cooper. He is, uh, I guess, kind of like waking up, right? Like he's he's sort of like uh, he he gets a note under his door, and it says something. About what? I think it says Jack with one Jack eye. Jack with one eye, right? That's the yeah. One, yeah. And he gets a phone call from one of the police officers, not Andy and not Truman. It's the other guy. Hawk, maybe? Hawk, yeah. And so Hawk has seen the, one, uh, the one-armed the one man, and he tells Cooper about the one-armed man, but he also briefly mentions on the phone, uh, I, I really like this detail, that he's like, oh, yeah, nothing out of the usual happened. I mean, I guess the girl at the perfume counter at this department store quit, but other than that, I saw this one-armed man guy. And it's just like this brief moment where it's like of world building where like, oh, like we've seen the perfume girl already. We've seen that she like what ends up happening to her. But it's also kind of news around town that the perfume girl has just quit. So we get like a little continuity there. I thought it was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So Bobby and his friend, Mike, Mike and Bobby, famous Mike and Bobby, of which they're. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they go to the yeah. They they, go, not the other Mike and Bobby. Not the other Mike and <laughs> Bobby, we'll which we'll learn about, about later. later. Yeah, so they go to the woods, um, and uh, they are kind of scared by Leo Johnson, who is standing there with a flashlight and a shotgun. Yeah, says something to the effect of uh, "cash on delivery, Bobby." Which yeah, I was watching this with my girlfriend, and we we kept like like really reveling with uh, Leo John, reveling in Leo Johnson. Like Leo Johnson is like such an interesting. He's like a he's like a pretty bad actor. I'm just gonna go ahead and say, like he's a pretty bad actor, but he's like very watchable. Like I don't know, there's something yeah. like magnetic about his performance. But he's just like, I, I don't know. He he's just like, there's nothing sympathetic about him except for his bad acting. If that makes sense, right? I yeah. I haven't seen him in anything else, but I I do I do think it worked. Like he comes off as a very big airhead right kind yeah of a guy. kind of a dipshit but like a mean dipshit which is yeah not a great combo and uh we see behind him there's like a guy hiding in the woods um i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and spoil something in the next three episodes we don't we don't find out exactly who that guy in the woods is um so i guess you're just kind of left to speculate there who that might be for some time and i don't, I don't actually know yeah. remember if we do get, end up getting a clear answer of who that I particular guy is don't no, if we do, but it could, I have... it could be a handful of people, right? Like, and and yeah. we won't spoil that because, well, knowing what we've watched for this episode, based on that, I my suspicion is uh, maybe uh, one of the uh, Renault with a Jack Jack Renault, Jacques, or yeah. uh, uh, possibly possibly ben horn yes yeah because i the frame of the the person standing in the woods is tall and slender so if it is, oh yeah if it is okay. a, if it is a renault then it is probably bernard not jacques jacques is more of a heavy set guy so yeah either way has, uh, has uh jackie by the way seen twin peaks before or is she experiencing no, it no the first time? so uh, it's it's weird because we were actually independent of this podcast watching twin peaks 
already and then i guess i went to work or something one day and then she actually watched ahead so we're actually retreading some waters that we just recently treaded again if oh, that makes sense cool. so like we're kind of re-watching something we visited a month ago so it, it, it's interesting because like we actually had a bunch of conversations about certain scenes and i'll get i'll like flag those when we get to them where the, we were like we were like like i don't know having like we're like huh the second time we watched it you know blah 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 like like a little bit more of an informed viewing of it which has actually been sure. kind of fun. Uh, we're about to run out, though. We're about to get to the, ep- the episodes like we haven't made it to yet. So it'll okay. all, it'll all be That's new to good. Jackie and pretty new to me too. As as this is like again, I've only seen the whole series once, and you know sometimes when you're watching something, you're probably on your phone, you're doing other stuff. So yeah, yeah, I can't. I yeah, I'm I'm watching it this way w- with intention is a lot like I'm getting a lot more out of it. But um, it's great. Yeah, you yeah. gotta you gotta do it. Yeah. So uh, oh, I go. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you gonna say something? I, I think I cut you off. No, but what if the rest, <laughs> like the last hour of this podcast, was just us? Like st- I start to say something, and then you do, and then we just pause. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. That is the Let's pain of doing something remotely: is you don't get body language, so I can't tell if Eric is about to say yeah. something. I just cut him I'm off holding up, furiously. I'm holding up both my middle fingers. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I I, I want to bring up one more line, one more line of dialogue from this scene before we move on, which is like where Bobby says something to the effect of like, I, okay, we'll start with Leo. He says something to the effect of, hey, you know, Laura wasn't who she seemed or Laura was wild. And then Bobby says something like, tell me about it. And then Leo looks at him and says, maybe someday. Like, that's like, I, I guess I missed that in my first viewing of the show and even my second, but I caught it this time. It's an incredibly cryptic thing to say to someone whose girlfriend just died yes you know what i mean like yes it 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 totally implicates leo in the audience's mind too like we know we may Mm -hmm. we don't know if leo has killed laura palmer but we think probably he has and if he hasn't he definitely has something to do with it like i think that's definitely at this point like you're like pretty you're pretty much on the side of leo johnson is in the he's in the conspiracy of some of some kind because he knows a lot more than he's laying on like if bobby knows that laura palmer is a coke addict and sleeping around and being wild and leo knows that she's even crazier than that oh boy you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah it's a good yeah good uh good thing to take note of there yeah (laughs) yes uh there's a we get a scene of big ed who uh ruins nadine's drapes with a bunch of oil nadine is uh Uh, i think the whole purpose of the scene is just to illustrate that nadine is very strong which i think is (laughs) kind of a hilarious character trait to give nadine i kind of feel like the show doesn't know what it wants to do with this this plot yet like it doesn't quite know where it's going with nadine big ed and norma but uh, they have a, like a, a, a full on weirdo on their hands with Nadine. Like Nadine is, yeah. she, she has an eye patch. She's trying to invent uh, silent drapes. And she's also like so strong. She can bend metal with her ha- arms. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will, I I'll say uh, the Nadine Ed uh, storyline uh i don't love to be okay. honest with you that's like the one storyline in the show where i am just kind of like uh, i could do without that i like the ed and nadine stuff i ed, think all ed, that ed stuff is norma? great 
or at uh, uh, yeah, Norma. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have a very. I like, guess it's just a, Nadine. Idyllic like, love I story. Yeah, they have a very nice, cute love story. But Nadine is like kind of weird for weird's sake, almost. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, she's like a shut in. Like she doesn't leave. She doesn't feel like a member of the community as much as like. Uh, even like Sarah Palmer, who is like always at home or whatever. But yeah, I also think I, bu- I also think like even later on, especially especially later on, actually, I will bump up hard against the storyline because I think the show wants me to like ship Ed and Norma hard, and it, it wants me to understand that Nadine is a problem. But Nadine ends up kind of being a victim later on in that storyline, and I just it, it makes Big Ed and Norma look like villains, which I don't think the show yeah. was. I don't think it was intentional, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, Yeah. Uh, but, I think you're supposed to feel sympathy for Big Ed's situation. Right. But uh, but later on, I, I kind of don't. And it's it's like, yeah. and, and we'll get there. But um, yeah. So we move on to Shelly. She's watching. I, I put down uh, Blue Velvet. No. It's a show called Invitation to Love. Invitation to Love. It just has this the same the first font time... as Blue Velvet. And it's over a yeah. blue pl- piece of velvet. <laughs> I think this is the first time we see it, or at least the first time we see like a good chunk of it. It is. It is for sure. Yeah. 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 There's something dramatic. Uh, I, I don't know. There's something like really funny about, I guess it's the show's soap opera that is happening inside of a soap opera. So it's a soap opera inside of a soap opera, basically, is Invitation to Love. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's great. It, it uh, I think there's like a whole video on YouTube that's like all of the Invitation to Loves and like the deleted... There's a bunch of deleted stuff. Oh, great! From those, if you're interested in checking it out. Yeah. But, uh, what little we get is so f- yeah. is so fun, um, and 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 it will kind of like tie a lot of these episodes together, or like kind of just be like a a, a sub game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very funny. I don't know. Uh, have you watched all the Invitation to Love stuff? I haven't. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was interested to see if it actually went anywhere or like tied in with the show in any way, but. Maybe it does. Maybe I could see it either or not. Um, there are moments where it, it, it does sort of like comment on the show a little bit, but uh, not I, I, my, my experience is, is there isn't like too much like cryptic information within the invitation to love. I think it's more of like, just like a funny sort of like self-aware yeah. uh, kind of thing that comes up. Yeah. In this scene, we also get Bobby uh, storming in and, and having this uh, sort of dramatic conversation with Shelly. We see Shelly has a black yeah. eye from Leo, and, and Bobby is, uh, is, is, is basically, even though he's just proved to be a huge chicken in front of Leo, is saying <laughs> stuff like he's going to kill Leo if he ever does that again. Yeah. I, but I'll, the only note I had written down here was like, there's something really funny about a dramatic scene happening in front of a giant big bass hanging on a wall. Like that, <laughs> yeah. That's the backdrop for the argument. Is like this huge fish on the wall, which I think is yeah. super funny. There's a, if you look for it, there's a lot of like fish decor. Mm. There's a lot of those yeah. uh, throughout the Great Northern and stuff too. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, we know there's definitely one in the percolator, but uh, other than that, <laughs> oh, I guess yeah. they're just hanging up everywhere else. So um, yeah, we get a we get a little small scene between Big Ed and Norma. Um, and then we get like the, I, w- I would say this is a really big part of this episode. It's the Cooper's demonstration outside. So Co- yeah. Cooper is uh, obsessed with Tibet, but he also had a dream where I guess he did this. He played this game and it, and it led to some sort of success or break in the case. But basically the game is just, he throws a rock at a glass bottle far away 
after a name is spoken. And if, if the rock hits the bottle, then that person had something to do with Laura Palmer's death. And if it shatters the bottle, it really has something to do with Laura Palmer's death. And if he misses, then that person had nothing to do with the death. Am I I right here? Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, But yeah, this is, uh, David Lynch was like obsessed with, uh, Tibet at the time, uh, for, I don't know if it was with, it had to do with like the Tibetan monks or something, but something, uh, some, I think he had some sort of like spiritual fascination with, this is like obviously a David Lynch, uh, scene yeah that he he came up with it actually like corresponds to an like a bigger like a a more profound realization i had watching this show is that twin peaks tends to take a lot of breaks to explain to the audience and remind maybe i guess more it's it's reminding the audience what's going on in the show but they take such create they, like they use that opportunity to do something really creative every time. Yeah. So it's not just people sitting in a room, kind of talking out the plot. It'll be like, okay, you haven't seen these people in a while, so we're gonna remind you like who everyone is to each other and who all is suspects. And this is how they do it. It's like this little game that I guess David Lynch probably designed of like throwing a rock at a bottle. So we're reminded of like all kinds of names, like Dr. Jacoby, James, uh, Shelley, you know, um, uh, uh, Leo Johnson, you know, all, all these people are get brought up and based on whether the rock either misses or hits the bottle, like we, as the audience also are reminded, Oh yeah, they are, they are, they have something to do with the murder or they are definitely a suspect or they are definitely no more than they're letting on. So, I mean, that's basically the entire point of that scene. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add about this like little rock scene? Because I feel like it, it, I mean, it goes on for a very long time. It's a very big part of the episode. Yeah, no, it's. I love the scene so much. Uh, just honorable honorable mention to uh, Andy getting hit in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy gets hit in the head with a rock, and then immediately Truman insults him. And I was like, "What yeah. the hell, man?" Yeah, yeah. He says something to the effect of like, uh, "You can't hurt something that has no." sense or something like crazy like that yeah uh the next scene is at the diner we have audrey horn um talking with uh donna scene i believe uh this is where donna and uh, like donna's just come from church and audrey horn is there who I, i guess also came from church that's what that's what donna's dad says the doc the good doctor he's like oh i saw audrey at church and then she comes in immediately puts on the twin pete's peak sexy theme music on the jukebox (laughs) which i think is amazing that like it leads like to so many more questions like oh is the music we've been hearing all along like in the world of twin peaks too like people also like this music (laughs) there is they do that a lot in the double r where you like find out a song was actually playing on the jukebox or whatever yeah Um, yeah, they like to do that. I think that's really cool. I also realized that I think uh, the name Horn is just like a play on the word horny. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure because <laughs> yeah, Audrey Horn is super horny for Agent Cooper. Yeah. She's also is like super horny for Donna. And uh, Ben Horn is like the horniest person in town. So I'm pretty sure Horn <laughs> yeah. me- just means horny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> man, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, in this in this moment, uh, Audrey does say something to Donna to the effect of like, "Did she ever talk about my dad?" Yes, and I believe that this is like the first time 
I just wrote, I made a note down here that like now I suspect that Ben Horn probably was sleeping with Laura too, mm. which I don't know if that's true or not. I guess we'll find out. I kind of don't remember from my first viewing uh, truth be told, but that is sort of like where my mind went as an audience member. And I think that's where kind of where you're supposed to go is like, we've seen Ben Horn at the one eyed Jack's place. We know one eyed Jack's is a big key to the whole thing. And she asks about her dad. So it's like, Hmm, this might, they might have something to do with that. But uh, this, the scene ends with like a dance, which is Audrey mm-hmm. Horn just dancing to the Twin Peaks uh, uh, music. Uh, Eric, I know, I, I know what you're going to say, but what do you think of all the dancing in the show? Uh, um, I really like it actually. I think yeah. it's great. It's, it's kind of like one of the coolest visually, one of the coolest things I think about the show and what makes it super stand out from other shows and what will make, what will make it always stand out from other shows is just like, they'll take a break to just dance. <laughs> like, I mean, it's also a part of it is like, the fucking Ad- Angelo Badalamente's music for this whole series, and literally everything, is so good. Yeah. It's very, very good. Uh, and Audrey's Dance, which is the name of that uh, composition, is it's like perfect for Audrey Horn to just like fucking zone out. She dances like she's at like a, like a, like shoegaze concert or something. I know. It's, it's so <laughs> cool. It, it's really great. We're going to see a lot of like her dancing, Leland dancing, members of the town dancing. Like, there's just a lot of dancing in this show and I, I welcome yep. all of it. More dancing, I say. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm dancing right now. <laughs> um, so Cooper and Truman are investigating like a bloody rag or something. And then they see uh, Albert come in so we get the introduction to albert kind of immediately after this where uh i guess the little appetizer is that he's a huge dick to lucy when yeah. he first gets she there she sticks her tongue out at him which is adorable right yeah and then he barges into the room and is a huge asshole crazy big city asshole um yeah <laughs> i wrote down he like spouts a lot of like hot uh film noir babble like he talks like yeah. an old like um news reporter or something from the 1930s he's very yeah. like a uh, snappy um yeah what do you think of a- albert rosenfeld i'm a huge i'm a huge fan like his character is obviously a dick but like miguel ferrer is oh man he's he's uh he's one of my favorite characters he's great yeah he's great and and like i feel like I don't know. Maybe David Lynch or Mark Frost. One of the one of the two. One somebody on somebody in this team production team knew that we needed a change of pace because like we're getting so much of the town, which is great, but we need that juxtaposition. Like we needed someone to stir up the pot a little bit, and I feel like yeah. Albert Rosenfeld is like brings that energy. He brings that pot stirring energy in, in such a great Just way. A, yeah, yeah. A big city jag off. Yeah, big city jag off. Exactly. He. Uh, but if you watch Cooper's performance, or I guess McLaughlin's performance in in this scene, I, I'm obsessed with it because it's almost like he likes it. Like he he sees Albert and yeah. he's like very familiar with Albert. Like he's happy that Albert's there. And even though Albert is like totally just being rude to him and everyone in the room, Cooper's like kind of smiling the whole time. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and then you see Truman get up and basically threaten to knock Albert's teeth. I wrote this down two blocks down into queer street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know, uh, if there is a queer street or if that was, a uh, a homophobic you know, like slur. Yeah. yeah. 
but I, uh, either way, Cooper is enjoying all of it. Like he's loving the double thumbs up. Yeah, is so good. Yeah, he's enjoying like the entire like Co- like Albert having to reckon with Truman, who's having to reckon with Albert. Like he just it's like he loves his two worlds colliding in this moment. I I, I really enjoy like. I guess whoever's uh, choice it was for uh, McLaughlin to play this scene this way. Cause it's very charming. Yeah. I also wrote a note down that like, I don't, I don't actually know or get a clear sense yet that agent Cooper is actually good at his job. Does that make sense? Like, like, <laughs> yeah, like it's a good point. Just based on yeah. these like three episodes that we've seen, like we have no reason to believe agent Cooper is actually good at his job. Or if he's like a big laughing stock where he comes from, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that actually. Yeah, kind of. He like moves with such authority uh, that you just kind of assume that he is. But like, yeah, you're right. Maybe like, how? Who are we to know if this guy is like actually good at what he does, or if he's just a fucking lunatic? Like he's a joke or something. Yeah, I know. He is <laughs> throwing rocks at glass bottles. Yeah, to, like, figure out who killed someone. Yeah, and and Albert comes in. And he's acting like an actual FBI agent. He's actually he's acting like a a person who's like down to business and ready to like solve a crime, and who's not like taking in all the atmosphere so much. I just think it's it's just a really funny again juxtaposition because as as I've mentioned before, like Cooper's so affable and loves Twin Peaks so much that it's hard to like I don't know. It's hard. It's just hard to tell because he's not a typical fish out of water, whereas Albert is a complete fish out of water. Um. So yeah, we get a uh, we get a Pete and Elizabeth scene, which is uh, pretty crazy because we don't actually get a lot of them together, if that makes sense. Uh, do do you know what I mean? Like th- it's kind of rare that yeah Pete and Elizabeth are actually talking to each other. Pete is of course the kind of like he's Jack Nance. He's like the schlubby guy who's married to the rich Elizabeth Packard, who I guess co-owns the Packard Mill or or runs it or something um, alongside Josie. We also learned that Pete and Josie are kind of working together, which is good because like, I think we both identify them as being the good guys and Elizabeth as being sort of one of the big bads. But uh, Wait, Pete, this is Pete and uh, Catherine? Am I? Uh, yeah, Catherine. I'm so sorry. They're in Ka- yeah, they're in Catherine's room. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she's like... Who is, uh, maybe Elizabeth isn't a character. I wrote down Elizabeth. Maybe I, I think, think the so. actress's name is Elizabeth. Yeah. Maybe. This is when he's like, I didn't want to get... I didn't want to get the... Uh, I can't do his voice. Uh, the mink oil on my bed or whatever. He's yeah. Like no, 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 no. This is the, that, that scene comes later, but this is the scene where oh, okay. he like steals the notebook and gives it to Josie. The scene you're talking right. about is when... Um, Oh, maybe this is that scene. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It might it might be that scene, actually. We'll see. Uh, but I know that there's, there's two scenes coming up, and one of them is like he gives the notebook to Josie. The next one is like he gets caught for giving the notebook to Josie. <laughs> but uh, I just wrote down that like, like Jack Nance's acting style, like I feel like it's almost kind of defined the David Lynch style of performance like he's just acts in this very strange way that's very stilted and detached but it it has a lot of pathos still it's very weird but it's like kind of like you can tell david lynch loves it and so i love it if that makes sense i'm just like i'm I'm here for it even though it's like not really how most actors would act or 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 whatnot jack nance just kind of does it his own way which is like 
very strange. He takes longer pauses than yeah. an actor usually does. It, it's a very strange, strange way to play a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get this next scene, which is like Leland uh, by the record player, which I, 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 this is a, I feel like this is a very famous scene. If it's not, it should be because it's, uh, it's pretty bonkers, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, he's snapping his fingers to a record player. Finally, the record player starts playing music and he picks up a picture of Laura Palmer. You, uh, yeah. Pennsylvania six, 5,000. Oh, great. Th- so fun. Yeah, I don't uh, even know what that is. Yeah. That's like the band. It's a good. So I learned of it from. It's the name of the like song. The it's uh, the jazz music, right? Where they, yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 yeah. recognizable jazz music. Like you've you've definitely heard that melody before. Um, you the listener, like it's a it's a very common. Yeah. It's a kind of a common. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, a very good looking. I would say Ray Weiss at this point. Which by the way, he's seventy two years old as of this recording isn't that nuts damn yeah but he looks great here he's probably in his 40s here i'm guessing but he uh yeah he's spinning around a picture of laura palmer <laughs> like as and kind of crying and moaning as the phone is ringing in the background it's it's a lot of uh sensory overload it's but uh, yeah. but yeah then grace uh grace comes down or uh sarah i guess right sarah palmer and yep. uh and she is now being the grounded one, right? So, like, before mm-hmm. she was sort of out of sorts and screaming and seeing visions. And now she's she's actually being grounded and telling Leland to stop, which results in, like, the picture being smashed. And then Leland, like, rubs his blood all over the picture. It's, like, it's like incredibly, like, I don't know, icky and visceral and and yeah. uh and and whatnot. But, um... And th- that leads into the, the very last scene of this episode, which is, um probably if you've if you don't know what twin peaks is and you only know it from just like i don't know memes or like zeitgeisty people talking about it you probably you probably think it's all this all this part right yes the man from another place the with the zigzaggy floor the red room the dreams the talking backwards all of that can be found in this sequence (laughs) yes and Uh, because we have we, we I got a lot to say about the red room, uh, but I'm going to hold back because we, I think we might have people watching this for the first time. Right. Uh, I don't want to accidentally say something, but, uh, the red room is obviously very important. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of go through what happens in order. So agent Cooper goes to bed and he has a dream where the one armed man appears to him. We hear the term, I think fire walk with me for the first time or was fire walk with me a note left on Laura Palmer's Uh. body. You might be right about it being a note on her. I think it's the second. It might be the second or third time we're hearing yeah. the term "firewalk with me," but he says it out loud. Uh, he also mentions that he has a tattoo on his left shoulder, the sh- the arm that's missing. He mm-hmm. explains that uh, his name is Mike, and his yep. friend's name is Bob, and Bob has a death bag. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, and then we see Bob who is, looks like he's in a boiler room, kind of reminiscent of like the weirdos in Eraserhead that were like pulling the, that weird guy that was like ah, pulling yeah. the levers. It's a, it a very industrial sort of boiler room basement. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it's Bob who is the Frank Silver, the guy we, the, the guy we saw before hiding at the foot of the bed. And he says the term, you think I've gone insane, but I promise I will kill again. 
Um, and then from there, yes. we, we cut into the introduction of the Red Room, where Cooper, Agent Cooper, is sitting on a uh, on a on like a sofa, a sofa for one or a chair, <laughs> and uh, he's very old. And Laura is there, or we think it's Laura, but she says she's actually um, not Laura. And her cousin. Right. Well, something. it's weird yeah. because a, a man but, from another place comes and he is a little person and he walks in very slowly and he starts to talk and, and all of his speeches in subtitles because we, it, the trick is, is he's actually speaking his dialogue backwards and they're playing it yep. forwards. Or they're playing it backwards too. So Yeah. So he's, yeah. yeah so, well, he, they are playing it backwards, but he's speaking it backwards. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it yeah. appears, and it's actually not good. Like, it's, like you couldn't actually understand what it is no, without subtitles. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah. Think, I think uh, I think Laura is better at it than he is. I could understand. I know. I can understand her a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, do we know if the man from the other place is still alive? Like that actor. That's a good question. Yeah, because he's a little. Um, he, I, I I just am very uh, wary of anyone who's like elderly or older in this in this show. Like, yeah, are they still alive? Know. So Michael far, all Anderson. we know is that Miguel Ferrer and and Peggy Lipton are the only two that we've lost. I think but he's alive. Sixty six years old. He was born on Halloween. Oh wow! And he's, so that? he's not even that old. That's great. No. Um. But yeah, he says uh, his first thing out of his mouth is he says, "Let's rock," which I think is such a David Lynch <laughs> thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the statue. There's a statue of a woman holding her breast and crotch in, behind them, which mm-hmm. I just wrote that note down. There's also on the table. There's like a planet or a UFO statue. Also, we see in the background the shadow of what looks like a UFO or a planet flying by. Mm-hmm. Um, do you kind of know? Do you remember this? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She taps. Uh, also, uh, the Laura Palmer lookalike taps her nose. Uh, yep. Oh, I, I also wrote down that like Agent Cooper's tie is freaking bizarre in this scene. Like, if you look <laughs> at his tie, it's like the pattern on it is like really psycho. Uh, it is her identity. So this person that he's talking to in this dream is Laura Palmer's identical cousin, like twin cousin. But uh, the 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 man from another place says that she is actually his cousin, which is weird. Yeah, because yes. I think he yeah. might be quoting other people. Like he might be like a surrogate or a voice for other people. I'm not. I'm not sure yet. Like he's maybe like giving Agent Cooper a clue or something in that scene. But either way, uh, he starts dancing away. <laughs> so this is the third dance we've seen today. Uh, first from Audrey, then from Leland, now from a man from another place, and. Uh, I guess it's probably worth saying that everything Agent Cooper says in this scene is is forwards. So like anytime we see him, he's not being played backwards. It's just these other two yep. uh, weirdos. So then uh, Laura Palmer's lookalike comes up and kisses Cooper uh, and then whispers something into his ear. And then that's sort of when the dream ends. Cooper wakes up. His bedhead is epic. <laughs> perfect it's yeah. <laughs> perfect and uh he immediately calls truman on the phone and says uh i know who killed laura palmer 
Yes, and no, it can wait till tomorrow morning. Yeah, and no, it can wait till tomorrow morning. (laughs) And he's saying this kind of as he's still snapping. And my interpretation of that is he's still sort of in the dream. Like, he's still, like, his mind is still sort of there. Like, he's, like, even though he's awake, Mm. he's, like, he's still... Oh, yeah, because he's snapping to the... Yeah. He's still snapping to the tune of it. Which, I, I also think that he, like, probably hastily did this because, as we'll see from the very opening of the next episode... He doesn't actually know clearly who killed Laura Palmer. Like, no. and, and it's and it's sort of like weird and insensitive to call the sheriff of the town <laughs> and say, <laughs> "I know who killed her." Just kidding. It's a big fucking more puzzle and a mess to find out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, but that's yeah. the end of episode uh, two of the show. Yep. Uh, so yeah, like, um, I guess any any la- any last words. Uh, on zen or the skill to catch a killer before we move on to rest in pain uh if you're watching this for the first time uh pay attention to that red room that's all i'll say so yeah i I will say it's kind of hard not to kind of kind of hard not to pay attention to it it's also like i think the most visually compelling thing we've seen yet like it's it's so striking and so original and i mean they make fun of it on the simpsons obviously they make fun of it on (laughs) saturday night live like it's been parodied to death done to death uh eric any like anything you can think of that's like a direct parody like a or a direct like ripoff of 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 this sequence because i know there's like a lot in film that like copied this this subsequently but like anything you can think of off the top of your uh, head man i think i've seen a family guy thing <laughs> but i can't remember but like, like what about like in film where they're just like kind of just ripping off the idea of this you know what i mean oh like yeah like not as comedy uh yeah like i'm kind yeah, of thinking of like 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 maybe the sunken place from get out like like this idea okay, of yeah, like yeah. going into like a weirdo dream that that's actually probably a terrible example but but Along those lines, you'll find like a lot of like, I don't know, just like this is a weirdo dream world where uh, everything is gobbledygook and everything is uh, talked about in metaphor and, um, you know, like uh, things aren't normal here. This is a dream, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I can't think of another example, but it certainly happened a bunch of times. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's definitely like deserves all of the copycats that it's ever had. Cause it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty striking and creepy. And I think it gave twin peaks this sort of edge, like socially, like imagine being around the water cooler the day after this episode aired. Right. And being like, <laughs> yeah. did you see that fucking shit yeah. on, on did like you sleep last night? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that on regular TV last night? Like just yeah. regular, like at like TV, like for free, you know? Um, I will say it is exactly what my uh, studio apartment looks like. Oh, great! Yeah, you decorated it. <laughs> yeah, b- based on that, like that—that's the yep. theme of the decor. Yeah, yeah, love it. Okay, no appliances <laughs> or anything. So this is episode three of the show, uh, "Rest in Pain," which, as we mm-hmm. said before, aired April twenty sixth, nineteen ninety. We open with a incredibly awkward scene of Agent Cooper and Audrey Horn where he like kind of asks her for break to like go to well, breakfast. Well, first of all, we get we get uh, I forget the exact line, but he's like, there's nothing uh, more spectacular than when maple syrup collides with ham or something along those lines. Yes. Yeah, so that's that is actually later. <laughs> like this is. Oh, it is. Yeah. So this is like Shit. this is like like literally we fade into Cooper runs into Audrey Horn and he 
asks, oh, yeah, asks her for breakfast to go to breakfast with them, and then he's and then he uh, compliments her perfume, and it's like. I know that Agent Cooper is like a quirky guy and I know we're supposed to think like he's just like a nice affable like quirky gentleman but like it comes off really creepy <laughs> like <laughs> uh, so he sits her down and um, and, and it kind of like asks her uh, he asks her to write something down on a piece of paper so he can immediately match her handwriting with his note so like he immediately does that and you know is like why? Why did you slip this note under my door? And she's—I don't know—she's like kind of being coy about it, but she's like clearly flirting with him, and he's kind of flirting with her back, and says something to the effect of like, uh, like be careful. Like he kind of warns her about yeah. about being he's too like, flirtatious. Your, your handwriting is like tilts to the right, which means means your heart yearns. Yes, be careful. Yes, your yeah. heart yearns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is such a weird thing. Like it, it's hard for me to remember. Uh, I keep having to remind myself that like half of this cast are high school kids. Like we're supposed to believe yeah. they are in high school, which is uh, sort of insane. Um, I wrote down this note that's like, this show is not that different from Riverdale in this way that it's like <laughs> high school kids fucking and fucking adults. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like such a weird, like, like such an insane thing to kind of just like accept and then have to move on from. But like, yeah. like Shelly, like how old is Shelly versus how old is Bobby? Is like Shelly eighteen and Bobby's no sixteen. You know what I mean? Like what? Because <laughs> Shelly's like married. <laughs> I think Shelly's like a little older. Yeah. Yeah. But still, probably like nineteen or something. Right. So, um, yeah. So, okay. After uh, Audrey Horn leaves, uh, that's when we get this great line from Cooper about uh, maple syrup clashing with ham yes. or like uh, running into yes. ham. And it's like uh, he starts having uh, breakfast with Truman and. Lucy, I believe. Yep. Correct? Yeah. Break the code, solve the crime. Break the code, solve the crime. Also, I love that uh, he mentions Mike and Bob, and then Truman's like, Bobby and Mike. He goes, no, a different Bobby and a different Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that is like the one thing, when I like learned screenwriting, that was like one of the first things I learned was like, don't have characters with the same names. Yeah, I know, uh, but isn't is it interesting when you break that yeah. rule, like what you can do, yes. I think that it that's is. so cool that like, I never thought of that. Like in re in regular life, people have the same name. <laughs> like, right. Why not in, in fiction? Like what kind of weird hijinks could you get into if people had the same name? Uh, well, right. this is a good example of that, I guess. So, uh, yeah. Break the code, solve the crime. Is that, is that, is that the uh, quote? Yep. Yeah. So the next thing we get is Albert and Dr. Hayward. Uh, they are in a full-on fist fight, basically. Uh, a grabby, uh, collar-shaking uh, f- uh, a fight, I guess. So this is something that me and Jackie did have a big question about. I want to hear your take on it. it. What does Albert want to do with her body? With Laura Palmer's body? Because that's what they're fighting over. Dr. Hayward wants Laura, uh, I guess, prepped and ready for the funeral. And Albert wants to cut her open for the investigation. Yeah, I think he wants to. Hmm, I don't know. Some some kind of fucking. Uh, uh, I don't even know what the proper term is, but like some crazy like Dexter shit where you go inside a body and like do some weird forensic analysis kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, because he explains it like that he has a bunch of tests, and I'm watching it with Jackie, yeah. who is like nearly a medical professional at this point, and she's going like, "Yeah, absolutely. Like, what are you talking about? You have to." 
put her in the ground. Like, fucking cut her open. Like, do the investigation. Like, that's oh, really okay. yeah, yeah. She was like, she was like, this is this is insane. That these people are not. They're like, like actively stopping a crime scene. They're like actively actively stopping the investigation by demanding that they bury her like immediately. Huh. I, I, that was that's like a very yeah. That was an interesting take on that thing because I was like, yeah, I guess that's that's right. Like Albert does say out loud, like, look, I can't do this later. If she's buried, that's it. We only have this one chance. And it's like, why would you not opt to let him dig around in there, see if he can find anything? Like, what if that would have solved the crime? Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't thought about that before. But yeah, it's the kind of thing that happens in a town where uh, yellow lights still mean slow down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do understand like where the, like the grieving people of twin peaks are coming from but it's just weird that ultimately like the show wants you to think albert is the asshole and the bad guy yeah uh when really like i don't i think agent cooper is wrong to like demand albert leave the room and uh and then just demand that like yeah they just get the body off as soon as possible it's just like it's just like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a police work side but um but yeah, so the next thing we see is uh, Leland is getting a shot, uh, and this is where we get our introduction to Madeline, or Madeline, or Maddie, who is yeah. Laura Palmer's brunette with glasses cousin, mm-hmm. but played yeah. by the same actress, so it is the same person. Um, yeah, and uh, her, uh, it's it's like it 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 it's taken me a while to like get used. It still just looks like. Cheryl Lee in a wig to me. Right. I know I'll like get used to it, but I don't know. For some reason they her like specific like this wig and the glasses and stuff, I'm like I don't know. I could see through it too easily or something. It like yeah. gets me out of it. Well, I mean, forget because it's the same actor, right? I mean, like that's like yeah. ultimately what's what's going on here. It, it's it's I will say it's a very soap opera y thing to do. Like a lot of mm-hmm. times characters will die in soap operas but the fans will be outraged about this and one like like kind of like middle ground they found is like bringing that actor back as a different person like as a twin or a long lost doppelganger or something crazy because you know you know why uh you know you can kill a character but you know why not why if you don't have to let that actor go why why do it then um but it's it's very crazy and i find it weird that like this doesn't throw leland into like a devastated like a sad rage <laughs> you know what i mean like right leland is so sensitive and impressionable right now it's crazy that like this doesn't do it like donna coming over like threw sarah palmer into a crazy hysterical fit because she looked vaguely like laura palmer but like the cousin who looks identical they're just like oh it's maddie great maddie come here <laughs> yeah yeah um the next scene we get is uh i think it's the first time we realize that norma has a husband named hank who is imprisoned yeah. for murder. Yeah. He's in the slammer. Yeah. He's about to uh, get parole. Right. Which is crazy. But it is murder, right? Like that's, that is sad. Yep. Okay. Manslaughter. Manslaughter. Yeah. Uh, the next scene is Leo and Cooper meet for the first time. Leo Johnson, the bully, Shelly's husband and agent Cooper meet for the first time. And, uh, uh, Cooper calls him out for lying almost immediately. And I just love how um, this like completely removes all of Leo Johnson's defenses. Like he becomes almost like a sniveling little baby, like right after Cooper says you're lying. It's like, 
okay look man i didn't even blah 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 like immediately he like starts starts talking in that like kind of like whiny tone yeah (laughs) yeah um Um, uh the next scene we get is uh i i gotta say bobby's dad the uh the captain the admiral whatever he is he i think he might actually just be my straight up favorite character in twin peaks (laughs) i like him so much we have bobby doing some weird shit to the cross i don't know what he's doing yeah at the opening of the scene it's it's a cool looking shot when we first get get, jump into the scene i like it a lot yeah it's it's uh, very terrence malick like uh tree of life or something it's just like very weird very artistic but then, yeah, his dad comes in and is, you know says the line, it's a filthy habit, especially for a varsity athlete talking about yep. <laughs> him smoking. Uh, and they kind of have a little like dad-son conversation, which I, I really enjoy these. Uh, Bobby is such a maniac and he's such a crazy yeah. actor. And this guy is so even keel. It's like really, I don't know, it's really pleasing for me to watch for some reason. I just really like these two guys. It's great. Yeah. It's it's a one of like the many things in this show that like borders on comedy and drama. Like you don't really know if it's like supposed to be funny sometimes or not, but it's just so great to watch. Like it's just so uh, captivating. Yeah, and I feel like Bobby's dad is kind of, is kind of like a, he's like like the Greek chorus or something of this of this show, where he's yeah. sort of talking to the audience even maybe more than he's talking to Bobby, but he's not like telling plot. He's like telling the audience more like how they should feel, or sort of like what the existential stakes are in a situation yeah. like this. I almost he find might myself be the com- most level-headed character. I yes I I agree yeah he's he's pretty level headed and I find myself agreeing with most of the stuff that he says <laughs> like yeah yeah um okay so uh the very next scene we get is the uh the bookhouse boys uh unite right is this the next scene or is it um, is it the funeral uh let's see what. The next note that I have after that scene is sometimes my arms bend back and something about twine. Um, I don't know. But we do meet the Bookhouse Boys at some point. Yeah, uh, that is... I'm trying to think. Don't we just go to the funeral? That that might be it, yeah, because I don't... I'm looking through my notes and I don't think... Yeah, I don't have anything on the funeral. So that must mean that maybe I just didn't take notes during that part, but I think yeah, because that's what they're that's what Bobby and his dad are doing. So that's what they that is the next scene. It's like we get the the funeral. I guess they're really I didn't really have much notes here at this point, but there is a funeral for Laura Palmer. Everyone is there including Maddie, which I think is kind of insane that Cooper <laughs> doesn't like see Maddie there. And yeah. find that to be very significant. Um, yeah. But I guess he is a little distracted with Audrey Horn, who is giving him sexy eyes the entire time. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and then yeah. I guess like we get the Bobby James fight briefly, where they like run at each other. I love, I love Bo- uh, James, James going into Big Ed and Nadine's house, just storming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ed's like, you ready for the funeral? And he's like, I'm not going. And then he storms out. <laughs> I That's love that awesome. interaction so much. <laughs> he's like such a, 
He's just such an emotional fucking ball of, uh, I don't know. He's just such a like high school, emotional high schooler. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. He's, he's got a very like sensitive disposition for such a tough exterior. Um, yep. but yeah, I guess the funeral ends with, um, Leland jumping on the casket, which is, yeah. I feel like a very famous scene. Cause it's like, it's really heartbreaking, oh, yeah. but it's also very funny because he's kind of broken the mechanism that lowers the casket, I think. So it just keeps raising up and down over and over again. <laughs> and Sarah Palmer crouches down and says, uh, uh, do you have to ruin everything? Something, something like that. Like, uh, like, please don't ruin this too or something. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's just all very, very sad and very melodramatic. And it has like, like the swelling twin peaks theme over it, like very loud in the mix. It's, it's, it's really strange, like a, a really strange scene, I guess. Yeah. And, and I just think it's weird. The choice of like next to the priest is standing, um, I don't know who's on his left, but on his right is the log lady. <laughs> so like, yeah. I don't know why she's so important at this funeral, but she is like up, up, up front and center. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that pre the priest character I like didn't even remember. I don't, I don't know if he comes up again. I don't, I, I don't remember seeing him before. So yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, the very next scene is, uh, this is the where we meet the bookhouse boys for the first time mm. because this is like yeah, yeah. it kind of cuts from Leland going up and down on the on the uh, casket to Shelley making fun of him to those two old guys sitting at the diner as she's like using the napkin dispenser to go up and down like show like illustrating yeah. to the yeah. old men like how and it, they're just yeah <laughs> giggling like children it's so funny yeah they they really reminded me of the two guys from the Muppets like the two old uh, heckler <laughs> characters yeah yeah yeah. Um, so Cooper sits down with Big Ed, Hawk, and Truman. That's who's sitting at the at the uh, diner, and basically, like Cooper says something to the effect of, "You know, oh Ed, how long have you been in love with Norma?" And then they exchange money, like they 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 actually had a bet going on whether or not <laughs> Cooper was going to figure that out, because yeah. I guess earlier he figured out Truman and Josie were seeing each other, so. The word's gotten out, I guess, around town that Cooper no, like can tell when you're dating or in love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it happens again next episode too, I believe. Oh, great! Yeah, I love that. So, um, this is when Truman and the gang kind of tell Cooper that what's happening in Twin Peaks is actually not as unusual as they've been letting on which is right kind of i don't know would you consider this like the first like like real i guess like real point of exposition into the truth the ultimate truth of twin peaks this is like the first yes. time we really this is, hear this is like a pivotal moment uh to uh just kind of take note of uh and something that i love about this show is they kind of like introduce um, that there is sort of more going on here. There is like a darkness uh, that's been around since, you know, before any of them were alive in out there in the woods in Twin Peaks. And uh, things, weird things happen a lot of, out there. And uh, yeah. yeah, so like something like a murder, something like a murder of a high school student might not be as cut and dry as it would be in like, 
you know, Los Angeles or something. Exactly. They say that like, they don't really like outsiders. They try to keep them far away. And it's for this reason, because it's really kind of hard to explain their situation that they're in and that they kind of have a little bit of a Lord Voldemort situation going on where every so often, or like maybe a Dracula situation where like every, every hundred years or so an evil kind of creeps back out from the forest and kind of like wreaks havoc on the people. And they are part of a, like, I guess a lineage of protectors called the Bookhouse boys. Uh, people like a secret society of sorts that has sort of like kept this evil at bay or kind of handles mm-hmm. this evil whenever it comes up. Am I kind of like getting the facts kind of straight on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good way of uh, putting it. Yeah. yeah. They all tap their ears as sort of a signal. Is that right? Or is it their nose? Their nose. Their nose. nose. Great. Uh, which is what Laura Palmer tapped in the dream or the lookalike, mm-hmm. the cousin. Uh, great. So they uh, take Cooper to the lighthouse. Is that where they go? Uh, I, the book house. The book house. Oh, it's, it's just called the book house. Right. Okay. Yep. And they take him to the back where they have a tied up Bernard Renault or Renoir or whatever his name is. Um, Renault. Uh, he is the brother of Jacques who has been talked about a bunch at this point who we've never met yet either. Uh, but yeah, the people who've tied him up are James and then someone named Joey Paulson who is like the blonde yeah. guy. Yeah. We haven't seen him yet, right? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Do nope. we see him again? Is he? Uh, I don't want to say anything. Okay, great, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Joey Paulson, uh, yeah, has uh, they, they have him tied up. And I just had a note there that was like, who is this guy? Like, who is that? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. One thing I love about Agent Cooper this whole time is that Truman trusts Agent Cooper enough to kind of spill the beans about the secret society to Agent Cooper. And he's right to do that because Agent Cooper just accepts it and moves on. Like, he just like, he just like, oh, is that what's going on? Great. He, like, he almost like revels in the idea that they have a secret society. He like loves it. Yeah. He like, I think, appreciates being like accepted as a member of the book house, like gen- generally. You could tell he's like sort of really fallen in love with this town and this community. And he's like, this is like, yeah, I guess this is the moment where he kind of officially just becomes like a member of Twin Peaks. Yeah, he, he loves it. I mean, he loves all this stuff. He, he genuinely thinks it's cool that yes. these nerds have a secret society. And I don't know if it's in this episode or not, but there's like a, a moment where he talks about like potentially buying property in Twin Peaks. I, it is the... Uh, it might be later on in this episode, I think, um, or the next episode. But yeah, it's right after he kind of has a big spat with, uh, with Albert. Albert like storms out of the room. And then he says he whisper he he gets out his uh yeah his little like voice memo thing and is like look into buying property here yeah, I yeah. assume it will be very reasonably priced <laughs> oh yeah so yeah so they're kind of in, in, uh, interrogating Bernard uh, Renault I will say like very cool idea it yielded very little <laughs> like it it really didn't give them much information. <laughs> Uh, except for what it did do was scare off Jacques Ren- Renault because I guess the the Renault brothers have a little bit of a uh, a flashing light code where that means if this uh, red light happens to be flashing on top of the uh, of their bar or whatever, that means that uh, one of them's in trouble. So Jacques is like walking down the street. He sees that red flashing light and he ends up just running away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he calls uh, Leo Johnson 
And then Leo Johnson like immediately leaves to go help him. Um, so I don't know. Bookhouse boys so far, not really impressive. <laughs> haven't really, <laughs> haven't really done much uh, other than like, like probably scare away the one actual real lead they had. But uh, yeah, after this, we get a scene with Truman and Josie where they kind of talk and Truman says how beautiful she is. We realize that like, uh, what's her name? It's not, it isn't, is it Catherine? Who, what did I say? Yeah, it is Catherine. Catherine is like listening in on the conversation. Yep. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah. And then the, I guess the ending of the episode is... Um, is uh we get uh the the two scenes are like the uh what's it called the graveyard scene so it's dr jacoby visiting laura palmer's uh grave where Mm. uh i and i wrote down here practically giving himself away (laughs) like (laughs) like he doesn't uh yeah cooper confronts him and is like hey you didn't see at the funeral and um you know, he says something to the effect of like, I'm a psychiatrist who doesn't care about people's problems. Like he just <laughs> like people think they're, they're my friend and they're not <laughs> something, right. something like that. Uh, this saying felt very tacked on to me. Like it felt like they're like, Oh, we forgot about this. And they, like, they threw it in because the next scene is Cooper sort of back at the book house. Right. Or he's back in like that bar with Hawk and they're having a beer. Yeah. yeah it was weird. It was weird. Like how, how did he have time to like leave Hawk and the boys have this scene and then go back. It's just the logic of it kind of didn't make sense to me, but either way, uh, I think this ending scene to me was something I remembered very vividly from my first viewing, which is, uh, the, you know, the boys are having a beer and Leland are Palmer we- is walking through the crowd of, I gotta say, uh, I know this is a small town, but I don't think it's that small to where this like dance floor is just like, the most hodgepodge mix of who, what clientele does this bar actually serve? <laughs> yeah. It's like an old couple, like uh, a, a super young couple. Like everyone is like out. I, I'm pretty sure like, yeah, no one looks like they, they belong dancing together. Like it's just like super weird mix of, uh, yeah. of people. And uh, Leland starts dancing by himself, like pretending like he's ballroom dancing by himself. And he starts accosting people asking them if, if they will dance with him <laughs> and uh that's sort of like how the episode ends yeah and we find we learn that uh uh he, he, it's something he used to do with laura when she was little is she would like stand on his feet and they would dance together that's why right. he's kind of like this is like part of his grieving process i believe yeah he's really fucking losing it <laughs> yeah he's going he's going cuckoo yeah um so that's the end of uh season one episode four three or episode four if you're watching it on netflix it's called rest in pain which leaves us uh just one more episode to get through eric my voice is uh i am uh i'm ready to i'm ready to give up the reins here pal you want me to take the wheel i want you to take the uh, wheel my guy (laughs) all right just so you know i'm hammered oh great perfect yeah 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 well it's okay because i'm really i'm really tired so i'm gonna fall asleep while you drive hammered uh to okay. our destination, which is, I'm gonna guess the, uh, the, uh, the timber, timber. What's that hotel? The t- timber. Oh, the great, the great northern. The great northern. By the way, yeah. real quick, I have, I did look into uh, uh, the, we'll talk about it. The great northern. I, I, it's, it's under a new name now. I had it pulled up earlier. If anyone listening has been to the hotel, 
I will find it real quick. It, it's the, whatever the new the Salish Lodge and Spa. Wow, uh, that I want to know. Nice. I want to know what people think of this because I'm like, I did some investigating to uh, to see about perhaps going out there at some point. And, uh, and I have I have some questions. I want to know what people what people thought of their experience. Yeah, this would be great. Yeah, let us know because we are fully planning a stay down there. So we yeah. got to know the scoop, the skinny. Is this a good place to stay? Is it actually terrible? I mean, we're gonna stay there either way, but just let us know. <laughs> My thing about it is it it like it's like very nice. <laughs> oh, like, it, like look, it like looks really nice. Which it looks dope as hell, but um. I'm just wondering. They have they have something called the Twin Peaks experience oh, uh, that man. I'd love to know more about. So if anyone out there uh, is a super fan and you've been to this to uh, the uh, the Salish Lodge and Spa, just tweet at us. Let us know what, what your experience was like. Hell yeah! Because uh, I'd love to get out there. That'd be a great time. And just so listeners don't um, think I'm completely fucking crazy, it's the Timber Falls Motel, is what I was thinking of, which is actually that seedy motel that we'll get to in this episode. But, oh uh, shit! Oh but okay. yeah, there's actually two, uh, believe it or not, places to stay in Twin Peaks. You can stay at the uh, the Great Northern or the Timber Falls Motel. Yes. I would say the Timber Falls is reasonably play- priced, but not clean. <laughs> I would assume fun. that's true. Yes. Yes, there's probably some Benjamin Horn left on the uh, sheets there. If you know what I'm, if you know what yeah. I'm talking about, yeah. Come. <laughs> <laughs> okay, episode four, the one-armed man. Uh, the events. Uh, so, so you know, my notes might be a little uh, more out of order than yours, Jeremy. We'll see what happens. Yeah, but, no, uh, no, no worries. <laughs> Sarah Palmer describes her vision of ki- of Killer Bob uh, to Deputy Andy. Uh, while he sketches the man's face. Yeah, surprisingly good sketch artist, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he is. This is like the one thing Andy is like useful at, right. it seems, at this point. Uh, she also describes a vision of someone uh, taking Laura's heart necklace. Uh, Donna winces at this uh, as she is the one who hit it. Um, and Leland mentions uh, he kind of like, throws a little fit and like mentions <laughs> yeah. uh another vision that 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 Sarah Palmer had of uh Yeah, I guess it was the necklace. Yeah, yeah, it was the necklace. Um yeah. and then th- also invitation to love is on the TV. I just got to I yes. got to put that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we and it, there's a scene with a necklace. Uh it's it's a great little transition. Uh Cooper interviews Jacoby. Uh Jacoby does not wish to breach his confidentiality agreement does that stand when you're talking to like the fbi hell no i wonder no yeah that's right yeah no no way yeah in fact specifically in this case it it wouldn't stand at all but i i don't i kind of also don't super know what they're trying to get at with this scene because they kind of make dr jacoby like he's holding a lot of cards but what cards is he holding he he's like a uh pedophile as far as i'm concerned and and like on the suspicion of just being a pedophile like in a small town like that like you're in trouble mister like you got to explain yourself and explain yourself fast so i kind of don't super understand this scene but i did take a note that there's a giant map of tibet (laughs) in this room when they're talking yeah he also says the line the uh the problems of our entire society are of a sexual nature which i think is uh i don't know do you think that's like the thesis statement of this show (laughs) You know, maybe. 
<laughs> Might be, actually. Yeah. Um, a little thing about Russ Tamblin, who plays Jacoby, is he actually, like, from what I read, brought the uh, that little magic trick he's doing with the little ping pong balls. Right. He was like, oh, I can do magic uh, if you ever <laughs> want me to do it in, like, a scene or whatever. So he kind of, like, brought that to the table. That's fucking uh, awesome. That's very, like, uh, yes. Jack Lemon of him. <laughs> Yes, and it also like in the show makes his character even more suspect of this that he like does magic. Yeah. Uh, he also casts suspicion on a man driving a red Corvette, uh, Leo Johnson. Uh, Gordon Cole, we all know who this voice is. It's of course David Lynch uh, okay. shouting from headquarters. He calls Cooper at the uh, sheriff station, offering insight into Laura's op- autopsy. Yeah. He's uh he's he's Cooper's boss, uh, which is great. Uh, just like a great little meta moment here with David Lynch on the phone. He's also shouting over the phone, which actually gets a payoff later. I'm very I was very pleased to see upon my first viewing because you know over the phone you think maybe it's just like I don't know maybe it's a bad connection or whatever. But uh, <laughs> no, there's there is a reason for that, and he will get to it. He also mentions yeah. bird bites. Yes, bird bites. Uh, uh, Andy uh, brings in the sketch which Cooper identifies as the man from his dream uh, but the eyes are a little closer together he says uh, he also receives a call from uh, Deputy Hawk who has located the one-armed man they believe is somehow involved uh, and the group find him at a motel uh, the man named Philip Gerard uh, is a traveling shoe salesman who uh, denies any involvement or that he knows Bob um well kind of kind of i mean he 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 talks that he mentions that he knows bob right he knows a bob he knows a bob who is like somebody else he or the he's the best damn veterinarian in the (laughs) state or whatever yeah but i i I don't know i had this note down that like even though like it i think this will all lead to something but i was like man they really fucked up they like like kicked down a man's hotel door started screaming at him ruined like took his luggage threw all of his possessions on the floor and then made him cry (laughs) it made a big deal about his one arm yeah made a big deal about his one arm (laughs) and what his tattoo said and then he breaks down crying and says the the tattoo on his arm says bob (laughs) (laughs) and it's like oh my gosh like now you've made this man like come out to all of you uh wow like this is like uh you're not looking great here no uh so at the same motel uh ben horn and Catherine martell uh the two are uh they're knocking boots yeah they're having uh planning to burn down the uh the sawmill the packard sawmill uh which is owned by josie uh the widow of martell's brother packard is spying on the couple in their motel room right uh later horn meets with leo johnson a violent truck driver to arrange having the mill destroyed uh I really like watching Ben Horn interact with Leo Johnson. Yeah, like yeah. Just a funny clash of personalities. I do. It's also a funny clash of classes in a way because like this rich, stuck-up yeah. pervert and this like <laughs> like kind of like uh, greasy like uh, blue-collar like thug pervert pervert. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, we get this uh, scene with um, uh, fucking. Donna and Audrey Horn in uh, I, I put down in Riverdale. Oh it's actually Twin Peaks High School, and they're smoking so and yeah, they're like having their their big conversation, uh, talking in the bathroom. Uh, Audrey Horn uh, knows the score. That's her quote. She knows the score. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's I love this I love this whole like storyline of like Audrey wants to help Agent Cooper kind of a thing. Right. Uh, I think it's really I think it's really smart and great. Um also uh I think we passed this, but I I think this was at the beginning, but uh, the moment when Lucy is re- uh, asks what like Truman asks her what's happening or something mm-hmm. or what went on and uh, she recaps the episode of Invitation to Love. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. funny, <laughs> very awesome. Yeah, we uh, also I think we also yeah. might skip to like they go to the vet. Did you uh, did you mention that? I thought that was coming up. Maybe not. Oh, it's coming up. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. I'm getting the order wrong because I don't. Yeah, I thought the Leo Johnson Ben Horn thing happened uh, afterwards. But oh yeah, yeah, it might be right. Uh, Cooper looking at a llama. Oh yeah, but also <laughs> the big note I had here was that like uh, that a bird is what they're after, right? Like a bird is yep. definitely guilty of scratching Laura Palmer. Which you know, uh, Eric, if you if you look at the David Lynch landscape today, you'll notice that he has a very, uh, very odd little Netflix special that he released where it's David Lynch essentially interrogating a monkey for the murder (laughs) of somebody. I'm starting to see a trend here, Eric, where both uh, David Lynch wants to cast himself as an FBI agent as much as possible. And that he loves it when uh, pets do crimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, look forward to uh, Ace Ventura 3. Yeah, David, David Lynch. Lynch. <laughs> uh, we will be doing a bonus episode on the uh, the what what did Jack do? What did Jack uh, do? Yeah. Yes. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, at the uh, same hotel, uh, okay, we already talked about that, uh, Norma Jennings uh, travels to a parole hearing for her husband, Hank. She's uneasy about helping his case as she is seeing Ed, uh, but promises him a job at the diner. Uh, meanwhile, Johnson's wife, Shelly, is having an affair with Bobby Briggs. She shows him Johnson's bloodstained shirt. He takes it, promising to rid them of Johnson for good. Also, I think she, like, this is when she shows that she has a gun, which yeah. I think might be important. Yeah, she has, um, like, a silver pistol that she's hidden away. Um, also, yeah, so what do we think of Hank? Like to me, I'm like I'm like slime ball immediately when I see him. I'm like slime ball. Yeah, he's uh this actor's good at like kind of playing this type of character because he, he he yeah he's uh you don't like him off the bat. I I I think I I don't know I can't remember exactly how his character develops, but I definitely don't like him in this in this moment mm-hmm. uh, yeah. or in this episode. He's um yeah I don't know um. Also, the way he says, like, see you later to Norma is kind of like, what the hell? Yeah, are you a psycho? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's, like, sucks on dominoes, which is, like, Yeah, he's kind of twisting a domino <laughs> around a lot, which is yeah. not doing anything in his favor to make me like him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cooper, I'm going to start just, like, on the train, just, like, sucking on a domino. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, real quirky, uh, fucking weird, yeah. Uh, uh, Cooper, Truman, and Andy uh, visit a veterinarian uh, connected to Gerard. They find uh, twine there of the type used to bind Laura. Uh, They believe that the bird that clawed her body is one of the animals being treated there and confiscate the uh, practice's files in order to locate the owners of the birds being treated there. 
They learn that the scratches have been caused by a mina, a mina bird, and the drug smuggler, smuggler Jacques Renault owns one. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit of fun with, with Lucy over the intercom there. There's like a funny... A funny thing in, back and forth between her and Cooper. Yeah. Uh, Couple yeah. good jokes. She's, <laughs> yeah. She's a great source of uh, comedic relief. She's fucking awesome. Um, they raid uh, Renault's home, uh, interrupting uh, Bobby, who is planting Johnson's bloodied shirt. He flees undetected. However, the shirt is recovered as evidence. Um, we're back at the old double R. Uh, Hurley. Meets Madeline Ferguson. I guess this is James Hurley. There's multiple Hurleys. But uh, Laura's identical cousin, and the two seem uh, instantly smitten. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, Norma finds out that Hank has been uh, released from prison. Uh, That evening, Packard receives a brief phone call from him that leaves her shaken leaves oh yes okay yeah i remember this uh yeah yeah yeah. he's uh i can't remember do you remember the exact context contents of the what he says to her i can't remember i know that she's like worried about him getting out uh no not exactly (laughs) okay me neither (laughs) uh yeah but uh yeah so that's uh that's episode yeah, that's episode four of uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's the one-arm one man uh, episode. Uh, episode four of the show, five if you're watching on tw- on uh, Netflix. I got to say, things are heating up in a big, bad way. This is like, uh, yeah, this is this is big. This is huge. We are we are off to the races now. Uh, I've, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling hot, and I'm feeling... And I'm feeling capable, Eric. We got three more episodes before we're done with season one. How are you, oh, how are you yeah. feeling going through this show again? Dude, I got to be honest with you. My 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 life is like, this is like the thing that's like keeping me from going fully insane. Full, I yeah, think. for you going think, full out conspiracy yes. theorist moon truther. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I don't know. Like people that follow me on Twitter know that I, I'm like, I get like ve- I'm like very invested in uh too too invested in the w- things that are going on in this world, Jeremy. And I gotta, this is like such a fucking delight to just have an excuse to rewatch Twin Peaks. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so good, and it's been a good maybe two and a half, three years where I, you know, I've forgotten a decent amount of it. And uh, it's fucking, it's gorgeous. I'm like yeah. so happy that we're doing this, uh, and I'm I'm locked in, baby. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I I I'm enjoying the hell out of going through this stuff, and like I I I I know what's coming in a general sense, but I don't know what's coming in a more specific sense. So I'm excited to get to that stuff too. Like talk about the more finer details of this, sort of like we did in this episode, which I'll admit, very long, but I think very worth it because like oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot to take down in the in, in these episodes. I am like overflowing with uh, just joy and anticipation for when we cover uh, the return. Yeah, me too. I don't think you. I don't think you're fully prepared for what what's about to happen. This is this is Jeremy. This is eighteen one hour long episodes, right. all directed by <laughs> David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I uh, I I 
do not even fully understand what I'm what I'm walking into, but I I am yeah. very excited about it. So it's uh yeah. Uh and if you're if you're listening and you're uh you know, we we hope you're listening. Uh let us know how you're enjoying the show. I re- I genuinely want to know like uh the people that listen to this uh how you're liking it. If you're watching it for the first time, love to know who you think the killer is and uh you know Keep on listening. Uh, also, let us know how what you think of the uh, just what we're doing. Like the if we're doing like a good amount of episodes for you per episode of our podcast, we're we're, we're open to feedback. You know. Oh yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, we don't know what we're doing. Tell us. Tell us how to do this. <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, uh, you know, do you have anything else you want to say before we sign off? Nope. No way. So we're at an hour and a half. Can you believe we used to do two hour long episodes on one Chucky movie? Did we really? I don't remember <laughs> those being that long. Dude, our I think our second episode was like two hours and 20 minutes or something like that. Th- really? That is... I'm not kidding that's you. That's yeah. kind of a fucking insane amount of time to sit <laughs> down and talk about Chucky. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I've got to look that up now because I am... I am... I'm... That's freaking me out, but... Uh, no, hell yeah. I mean, that's great, though. Yeah. That's great. We were able to do... I mean, I, I kind of thought it would take us a little longer, but I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm excited that we were able to get through it in kind of a reasonable-ish amount of time. Yes. Clean time, Clean reasonable time. time, baby. Clean. Uh, so, uh, yes, next week we will be finishing out uh, season one, so just watch the next three episodes there. And, uh, of course, I will say the uh, official sign-off line... Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby, yeah. Yeah.